0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Wednesday, January 11th. And John, I think I'm going to start today with a little song. Mm. It goes... For those who don't know, that is the Imperial Death March, the theme song of the Empire, the theme song of essentially the Death Star. And I think we are witnessing the advent, have witnessed the advent of a new Death Star in college football, the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, wow, right?
1: I didn't know if we'd see this happen until Nick Saban left. And if you want to get real spicy, like we like to do, and pull the old people are talking, I'm going to pull a people are talking. How many years was Kirby Smart on Nick Saban's staff when he was winning a lot? Uh, At least a few. People are talking about Kirby Smart...
0: Listen, being the reason i talk about say, it i'm just listen <laughs> he won his second title at age 47 mm-hmm. saban didn't get his second until 57 he's beaten saban actually i don't think did they play bama this year i don't think they played bama this they did year. not no they split but they did beat him head to head they, they beat him last year in the national championship i mean they, georgia has developed into. A wagon and i think it's just time for like it, i am i okay let's just Austin, talk about he last, defense, game
1: he was the, their defensive coordinator since from 2008 to 2015
0: that's a lot it's a long time and who that's when the think? defense was carrying them to win and who, those championships
1: yeah because they had no quarterback and who uh and then they kept winning with his crutes for yeah. the next few years People are saying Kirby Smart, you know, was propping up Nick Saban's dynasty.
0: Well, listen, if you've, you've heard it once. You've heard it a thousand times. He's he's the greatest coach that ever lived. Kirby Smart, <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> right. It's it's wild, man. I, so just to concentrate, like, zoom in on last night's game. I, I thought Georgia would win comfortably. I expected, like, a three-score-ish mm-hmm. game. TC was plucky enough. And in no pressure that it might be something, but I, I have truly like rarely, if ever seen a game be so one-sided, it, the final score was 65 to seven. That game was fi- decided by 58 points, which I saw today was the largest bowl margin of victory bowl bowl. Yeah. They've been playing them for a long time. Largest bowl margin of victory ever the national championship game, this team TCU put up 51 points a week ago mm-hmm. and they just lost 65 to seven. That's... I mean, this is the most stark case of true Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's that it's about as stark a display of that theory as you will ever see.
1: Well, let's back up. Because, and we said this last week, we were of the belief that you could get to the college football playoff with four teams without the the three to four stacked top five classes. But mm-hmm. well, you couldn't get, you couldn't win a game. TCU did. Yeah. Against our rival, which is the funniest thing. Ugh. And then as you, but as you mentioned, like, the difference, how many guys on TCU will play in the NFL that are sure draft? Fix two how many are i
0: mean there's there's a hand there's a handful i mean who know i i think tcu is a little bit more talented net net than people probably think at first blush but your point that you're i think you're about to make is extremely valid and that's that georgia will lose I, i mean georgia will have multiple top They'll have probably five first-rounders this year. Didn't they set the record for first-rounders last year with, like, eight or something stupid like that? I mean, this team is—the amount of talent on this team is belligerent.
1: You you watched the second half where their second string was putting up better yards per play than their first string did. And their first string was up, like, 49-7. to Or whatever. Like the backups were just as good. And there was no drop off. I was just we knew it, but then sometimes you see it and like our boy Brock Bowers just oh my god looks different. The only person that looks out of place on that entire team outside of Ladd McConkie is Stetson Bennett. And to (laughs) your point about the death the death march, the reason you're saying that is it, they actually get a real quarterback.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, they brought in, I mean, the kid that came in and played Carson Beck, I believe was like a high four-star recruit. I think the most stark example that I saw last night was when Branson Robinson came in Their, I think their fourth running back uh, came in, ran seven carries, 42 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. That kid is literally behind Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton and Daywan Edwards uh, on the depth chart, he was a, a true freshman in last year's class was the number 62 overall recruit, the number four running back in the entire class. and the number one recruit in the state of Mississippi. Like that's fourth string. That's the fourth string running back that you're talking about. So when you talk about depth and you talk about stacking classes and the absurdity of talent that can yeah. be accumulated on a college roster, this is what we're talking about. And truly, 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 there are. And we've said this before, too. There are really three teams in all of college football that have this right now. There are some that are in the in sniffing distance, shouting distance. But it is Alabama, as much as people want to say they're dead and buried, they're not. They're still ridiculously stacked. Georgia, who is seemingly somehow ascending, despite losing all of this first-round town the last two years. And Ohio State. Yep. And I think you could look at it now and say... I mean, I mean, you do, what you just saw from Georgia is who they are and what you saw from Ohio State is probably who people thought they should be the whole year. And it really yep. makes the loss to Michigan all the much more inexplicable. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be interesting. I mean, each one of those programs has its own very unique set of like transitional things that are happening this year. I don't think any of the three that I just mentioned, none of them are returning their quarterbacks. Um And a lot of them are losing other stars. I mean, Bama's losing Willie Anderson. I know there's many, many, uh, among many other players, Jameer Gibbs. Ohio State's losing a ton of dudes. C.J. Stroud, chief among them. Paris Johnson, their offensive tackle is probably going to go in the top 15. And Georgia, Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo. uh, I mean, Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle. Darnell Washington, the tight end. There There are tons of defensive dudes for them are all uh gonna be gone after this year, but it is a it is a different level of talent. And like questioning any of those three programs year in and year out is is just silly because they have the ability to do what we saw Georgia do to some degree last night. It's just just bonkers. And it made me rethink our thing that Everything. we talked about. And it made me rethink what we talked about last week when we were saying how Penn State might be the favorite in in the Big Ten, they are one of those teams that's in shouting distance. I think of Ohio State from a talent perspective, but it's Ohio State until it's not. And yeah. I mean, I guess right now it's not. And right now it's, it's not, Michigan, man. But you know, I, I'll still default to them every single year. And I think that's maybe what Georgia's done. That is so paradigm shifting and something neither of us saw yeah. coming. Was it is now Georgia until it's not. It's yeah. not Bama until it's not anymore. It's it's Georgia now.
1: And the weird part is that they didn't have to like, I mean, obviously they beat Bama for the national championship, but I don't even know if that was the turning point. You know, there wasn't like this one game where it all changed. No. I mean, unless you think that was it, because I mean, this year, I think we all thought it would be a rematch and Alabama really just kind of pulled an Ohio state and underperformed. Like you have the best quarterback in the country round one, pick one, you will Anderson. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason that we talked about them being one of the best Alabama teams, talent wise, ever. Absolutely. And so I thought that if these two teams played this year, it could have been the true changing of the guard. But Alabama didn't even get to that point.
0: You know, I. So I, I mean, the wild part. I think the other thing people aren't really mentioning is that this is Georgia's third year in a row in the national championship game. Hmm. They lost to Bama three years ago, and they beat Michigan in those playoffs too, uh, quite handily. Oh no, wait a minute. I don't think so. Nope, I'm just stupid, and I'm looking at the wrong year. Okay, <laughs> this is two episodes in a row now where I'm an idiot. I, th- I see, you know, I can't do these years. You're doing great. I was looking at 2021. It's years I struggle with. Don't worry. About um, either way, numbers. they're probably going to make it again next year, and nothing else is going to matter. And now we have the uh, whole new Death Star. Do you? So do you the SEC is going to be fun.
1: I can't. We'll wrap up. But what I can't get my head around it being an undeniably their national championship to lose, and they don't have. They have a quarterback who'll be making his first start ever. just go to com. It's magical. That doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. And the, it, and that's what I'm saying. And like you said, we'll wrap up. But we are transitioning into the Jalen Hurts to a Bryce Young version of Georgia. And it took them two years to get to. And in those two years, they won two national championships. Whereas it took Bama much longer to turn that corner. Uh, And, yeah, there's one man that's in the middle of all of it, and that's Kirby Smart. So he's looking pretty darn good right now.
1: You don't have to beat Georgia, you know, every time in the playoffs. You might not even have to play him in the playoffs. You expand the the playoff, and Mm -hmm. there's opportunities for them and Bama and Ohio State to lose before you have to play him. It's unlikely, but it's possible. We just watched TCU beat Michigan. We never thought it happened it did. So it's um, it's possible. So I guess that's kind of what I am hanging on to here as we transition to talk about Michigan State and where they sit at the end of the year. You know, the recruiting has been good. It needs to be great. It has to be better than great. And then we need uh, some good coaching. The problem we have lately is that uh, well, for the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator took a massive step back this year. Mm-hmm. And just for some some stats I'm going to throw, um, Scotty Hazelton was 66th nationally amongst his peers in defensive coordinator performance rankings. With talent adjustment, it's worse, is 96th nationally and 13th in the Big Ten. Let's quickly unpack that. You know, the, the thing we've all been pointing to is, OK, there are injuries a lot of teams have injuries, but that shows us how important this depth is. It's just, it all yeah. fell apart. It fell apart. It was average, you know, or even when the talent was there, it completely fell apart when it didn't. So the reinforcements are coming, but any thoughts on that one?
0: Well, I mean, it's not shocking. Um, I think the talent adjusted number is maybe more damning than anything else because it accounts for, you know, the level of talent he's working with and he's still, Second to worst in the Big Ten. Um, Like you said, there's definitely talent on its way. But that can only help, you know, I think so much. Case in point to me is is a team like USC that Mm -hmm. is loaded defensively. And we ran through all of Alex Grinch's numbers last week. So it only does so much. So I'd like to think that there's a middle ground we can find here.
1: Hop over to the offensive side of the ball, Jay Johnson finishes 73rd nationally among his peers and with talent adjusted, 85th nationally, eighth in the big 10. That one is tough to pill to swallow. We talk time and time again how big Kenneth Walker is. Are there any other factors? You know what, how else can a, can a coordinator take that far step of a back, Or do you say, last year was the anomaly for him? Because if you look at his other coordinator years, they they haven't necessarily been that strong.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would go, uh, I mean, Walker wasn't the only thing that they lost. Certainly, there was a lot of consistency, which I think is why we were expecting a much better offense. But um, Peyton Thorne took a clear step back, which I think you can probably pin on the coordinator, Jay Johnson, to a degree. Uh, I think the offensive line was probably uh, something we all sort of overlooked. A.J.R. Curie was drafted. Uh, Brian Allen was there there's was a lot more a lot 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 more functional depth his you know the year where Michigan State won 11 games as opposed to um you know this previous year so there, that's definitely something to do with it but I think a lot of those excuses are kind of out the window now and it, it will be very interesting to see um who ends up under center but we'll we'll store that storyline for oh, now because we got okay. a long off season in front of
1: the us Just say all summer for that. Some other movement on the uh, staff and position changes. Marco Coleman, defensive line coach, uh, will be leaving back to Georgia Tech. And Jeff Pietrowski is transferring to Wisconsin, played in three games this year, and uh, was hurt for the rest of it. That leaves about four spots on the roster. Austin, um, what, what do you think here? How, how, are you? how moved are you by these these moves?
0: Yeah, I would say of the two, Coleman is definitely the one that gets my ears perked up a little bit more. I don't know that it's this um, backbreaking loss necessarily. I don't think he was necessarily around long enough for it to be something indicative of a program issue or has anything to do with something aside from he got a great opportunity back at his alma mater. And it was kind of a surprise he ever left there in the first place. They have a whole new coaching staff. You know, he's obviously recruited Georgia well Um, on the recruiting trail. It's, you know, it's a little bit worrying, but you also have Brandon Jordan and, you know, we know what he's doing out on the trail. So, uh, you know, I'm not uber concerned about that. Um, It'd be very interesting to see who they hire, though, because it is an important it is an important hire because I think, uh, you know, if you're going to have two defensive line coaches, they both need to be able to carry some level of the weight in coaching players in, you know, maintaining structure and recruiting relationship building, all of that stuff. you don't love having turnover um, at those positions, if you can avoid it. So who they hire will hopefully be somebody that, you know, again, has some recruiting juice. I think we've seen that Mel prioritizes that uh, and that can complement Brandon Jordan's style. So, you know, that'll be interesting. I have no idea who that's going to be, but should be, Quite interesting. Um, the other move, Jeff Petrowski to Wisconsin. Honestly, uh, tip of the cap to Jeff Petrowski. Appreciate what you did. Had a lot of fun rooting for you in the 11 win season. Him moving on, to me, quite honestly, is uh, in some ways a very positive sign because, again, it's nothing against him, but his limits, his limitations were physical limitations. Championship team. again, watch either of those teams from last night, especially Georgia. Jeff Petrowski's not playing on those defensive lines, he's not playing at all in those games. Mm-hmm. So, if you're trying to hold yourself to that standard, he's not the guy that you want. Like, like losing him shouldn't be a big deal. And that's ultimately where th- this kind of shakes out. Um, it's a shame, but at the end of the day, MSU has added a ton of talent along that defensive line, and it's honestly kind of better that he's opening up snaps for one of these younger, more talented guys so that recruits can see, oh, we play our freshmen. And, you know, quite honestly, if this means more for By Job, who looks insane in all of these practices yeah. that we're seeing, that yeah, I'm all for it.
1: Well, he's doing an incredible job, or did an incredible job, with in the MVPs of the Under Armour All-American game. Uh, not uh, just the thing they just hand out. So right. Um, <laughs> he, he. I just can't wait until he gets a few years of playing the sport. a Few more. Oh, man, it's it's gonna be fun. Um, one other thing you talking about Petrowski transferring, and I, I'll just note one thing. You know, the transfers you're seeing this year, the guys that are not being begged to stay, they're generally going to like Power Five programs. Yeah. Which, from 2020, we were seeing FCS and, like, not playing football anymore.
0: Yeah, like retirements,
1: right. So, truly. <laughs> and and now you're seeing yeah, Deshaun Mallory went into Arizona State. Um, Saw Jack Stone's going to Baylor. You know, you, you see, uh, you just mentioned you know, Jeff Pietrowski's going to Wisconsin. Like, it's not all of them, but it is... I don't think the, there's maybe one or two in 2020, maybe none. Um, uh, Kalon yeah. to Kansas was like the best, so, but you know what I mean?
0: I know exactly what you mean, and I wouldn't be surprised. There's still some good names out there. I mean, like if Elijah Collins wants to play, you know, P5 football next year, someone will give him a, a, a crack. I'm convinced of that. He deserves a shot somewhere. Um I think there's some other names out there that could like Jeremy Bernard, Jeremy Bernard transferred back to Washington. So yeah, there's plenty of good players that um, like you said, I do think that's in a backwards way, kind of a sign of health and a sign of just the overall, the overall level of talent on the roster is rising and you're getting to a point now. And I think this is something that'll be very interesting this fall. And a huge talking point is like, I think this roster is in pretty damn good shape overall going into this season. The question is, are you going to get quarterback play? That's going to erase some of the mistakes that get made, which they simply did not do last year. Yeah. And quite honestly, they would have been a two, I, I think a d a a better quarterback wins than at least two of the games that they lost. Mm-hmm. And are you going to be able to sustain injuries better moving forward? Like, I think some of that, that floor for the program should certainly have, risen even though it's a whopper of a schedule um that's kind of where we're getting to as a program though it's like we should be in those they should be good enough to survive a lot of the things this year's roster is not good enough to survive
1: final ap top 25 comes out and michigan state played four of the top eight teams Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll play them again next year so i mean part of me is like being in such a hard division, it, it forces the hand to, to get to that level. And I mm-hmm. think part of the reason we've said this before is if you're in the Big Ten West, I don't know if MSU ever even sniffs trying to get to the level of Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Because no. there's no pressure.
0: you know, There's, there's no there's challenge. There's no well, urgency. I, I, it'll be fascinating, too, once we expand these conferences and things Ultimately do get realigned m s u will have a major leg up because they will not play Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan every single year like they do right now. It will yeah. not happen. it'll be replaced by other good teams. Don't get me wrong, but like you can't tell me that replacing you know Ohio State with Wisconsin or Ohio State with Nebraska or even u c l a every year doesn't give you a better odds of of That's getting right. a win so you know, Michigan will always be on there. I got a feeling Penn State will be on there most years because they sure. try to protect that rivalry. But even the, gosh, yeah, not to belabor the point, but even the Marylands of the world, like, they I'd rather play. I'd rather play Iowa every year at this point. Like, you know, it's yeah. it, it just it's going to be different moving forward. But uh, it is important to you know gas up the roster as much as you can in the interim and winning. Eight or nine games this year would go a long way to getting Michigan State to that point.
1: Well, we'll before the commercial break, we'll, we'll wrap on a positive. After going five and seven, this program has more recruiting juice than I can remember since 2016. Yep. That's impossible. Like, unless you're Miami yeah, I, I mean. or Texas A&M, who we know what they're doing to to get their recruiting going <laughs> It's a very different way about going about it. I'm not saying Michigan State doesn't, you know, isn't, uh, you know, compensating players. I- I'm saying maybe not to the level, the
0: ridiculous. Yeah, they're not dropping ten million dollar bags on it's quarterbacks right. and stuff like that. Yes, correct. They're 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 involved in NIL to the degree that they need to be. They're they're doing what they need to do. But, yeah, I, and again, I think that speaks to a difference in focus and just like energy that comes with this. Regime. And I think the only I think we really are at a tipping point, though, where the only way to keep it, you can only get through on coolness for so long. And like Brandon Jordan only trained so many guys. So, like, you really have to develop a program that people want to come play for here, because if you don't, then the the coolness factor can wear off. And right now it's working really, really well in 2023 and 24, but. If it doesn't work, if things fall apart again and you throw another shit season out there, it yeah. all kind of goes by the wayside.
1: As the five and seven seasons go, I had as much fun as I could. And I think let's be done with it.
0: Hey, here, here's the final part we'll leave on. <laughs> Even though they just lost by 50 points, 58 yeah. points. You know who else went five and seven the year before they went to the national championship game? It's true. TCU. Mm -hmm. Hypnosparty, Party. Let's bring it back.
1: (laughs) All right. Let's take a commercial break and let's talk.
0: Hoops, which are fun. Hey, favorite son. Three, two, one. And we are back. Woo, John. That was. uh, Listen, since the last time we talked, we were a little bit down on this basketball team. Since we talked. Two pretty darn good wins uh, over Michigan and on the road at Wisconsin, a game that just wrapped up.
1: Weird to play your both rivals in back-to-back games. Um, Hard emotionally too, by the way. It's not (laughs) easy. For I'm speaking for us, not the players, right? (laughs) Of course. Which is the priority? Who matters? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Let's start with with the the Michigan game over the weekend, prime game on Fox, whole country's watching. And I got to tell you, they watched some pretty bad basketball.
0: Some terrible, um, terrible basketball. It wasn't
1: good. Basketball. It wasn't quite like maybe the cathartic release Michigan State fans were hoping for, but at the end of the day, beating Michigan at home, and in a game that never felt in doubt of who is the better team. Right. Ultimately is something that I think we just need to settle and be OK with, because that's what we're going to get. And,
0: uh, right. Uh, oh, absolutely. A win. Listen, no matter what you think of both of these teams, they both came into this game desperately needing a win. And Michigan State was the one team that was the team that was able to do it. Um, this was the kind of game that if you're an NBA fan, you mm-hmm. are like, how does anyone watch this sport. And honestly I kind of felt that way for like a long stretch of this game. Just some horrific horrific basketball being played. Um honestly until like midway through the second half. I mean Michigan's numbers are well no talk about Michigan State first. Um MSU I think a good thing they managed to win this game despite one of the worst Joey Hauser performances they've gotten since he came to Michigan State. He did have 10 rebounds but he went 3 of 13 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3. It just Ugly, ugly performance. Although I will say he's really the only one that put up a total stinker of a box score. It's true. I mean, Aikens, it not you know, us. it, 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 somehow it didn't hurt us. And the reason it didn't hurt us was, was a couple fold. First Hogard and Tyson Walker both had really nice games and Malik Hall played very, yep. very well. Um, he kind of saved the day off the bench. The other reason is because Michigan is bad. Capital B, Capital A, several D's at the end of that. Bad. This is a bad basketball team, and Maryland should probably just sit out the rest of the season after losing to these <laughs> jokes by forty. Think about what you've done. Uh, yeah, just go sit in the corner for. Go back to the ACC for the rest of the year. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, listen, Hunter Dickinson kind of did what we expected him to do he is by far the best player on this team i want i will hear no more jet howard nba draft talk for the remainder of the season this dude <laughs> you completely, still have it. i mean people will say it but it, he took eight total shots he went two of six from three and had 10 points he did nothing three rebounds two assists where are you when your team needs you hunter dickinson again might be a tool but give him all the credit he in the world he tried everything he could to keep his team in this game. 18 points, shot 50% from the field, seven rebounds. But like, he's, he just has no, he has no help. There's no help. I mean, Jet Howard didn't do anything. Bufkin, inefficient, scored 14 points, didn't make a three. Terrence Williams didn't do anything. I mean, it was it, it, like, I think people need to take a long, hard look in the Juwan Howard mirror right now because ever since, I think I said this last time, ever since that COVID season, things haven't exactly been. Pretty or hunky dory, and his roster construction leaves quite a bit to be desired. Um, and now they're sitting there at nine and six. And at you got to ask a lot of questions. Nine and six with a loss to central Michigan on the resume is uh not looking very tournament y right now, so might be time I to mean, ask. Some that's
1: questions. not even NIT, dude. Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not just being a hater, I think what we're gonna see as this grind of a big 10 season advances and i have my own thoughts about how good of the michigan states wisconsin win was in a moment but (laughs) yeah but they when you get 10 points from your non-three scorers you're just not gonna win like you you can't win in this league doing you can't maybe against minnesota like one team so good luck um (laughs) actually no bad luck I hope you lose all of them because the whole program got a little too, um, they started thinking they were something they weren't. And, you know, last year, two game, you know, NCAA tournament, you want to call it a run, I guess, covered up a bad season, a wildly underperforming season.
0: Oh, I mean, didn't they start the season in like the top five or something like that?
1: Yes, they were like number three to start the year and got into uh what the was an eleventh seed yeah, so
0: and like barely made it,
1: yeah, so I mean again, I'm watching and enjoying the the demise um but every game's gonna be <laughs> this entire year' this big Ten is like no one is really great. But no one outside of Minnesota is truly bad, so there are going to be a lot of grinder games like the one we saw in Madison.
0: Great transition, yes. Um, This one just wrapped up, like we said, had the chance to be really a disappointing loss because, as you mentioned before, this wasn't getting Wisconsin's best shot. Uh, Tyler Wall, their best player, didn't play in this one and quite honestly in watching them it's obvious why they they need him i mean mm-hmm. the, uh, Wisconsin shot the shit out of the ball in this game i mean they it felt like at some point they were just never going to miss a three uh, ever again and yet you know michigan state managed to hang really really tough and uh, and pull out a win quite quite honestly if i'm a wisconsin fan Yes, you were without your best player, but like they just kind of collapsed at the end of the game and didn't really play much defense all night. I mean, Michigan State shot over 50% from the field, 7 of 13 from 3. Joey Hauser goes from a complete and total no show against Michigan to just like he crosses the Wisconsin border and turns into a superstar. 20 points, made some huge buckets for MSU, played 36 minutes. Um but yeah, I I you know, if I don't know. Like, this isn't it. Listen, anytime you go into the call Center, mm-hmm. which I will always call it, I don't even know if it still is. It is. Uh, okay, great. Um, and you win a game. That is a good win. I don't care how bad they are. It's a good that that's a tough place to, to win, especially a couple of days after an emotional win at home against your rival. That being said, Not exactly a vintage Wisconsin team, although they played, I think, about as well as they could have played, given who they were missing. And that's
1: also, you know, shame on Michigan State's continuous defensive and offensive lapses. I mean, just simply not remembering their assignments or just doing knowing them and not doing them, going under ball screens. Uh, on guys you know that you just know they get chucky Hepburn leads the league in three-point shooting you know, these things are things that can't happen um finished 14 turnovers i will say as a program this year this is one of the michigan states most efficient uh in not turning the ball over a lot yeah. of that has to do with the fact that they don't push the ball as much tempo wise as they have in past years So big correlation there uh yeah. but i'll but i also note that In a game at the Kohl Center with 14 turnovers, I'm shocked Michigan State won. Like, that is hard to do. And that, like, also brings me pause about this team. You know, how Mm -hmm. good are they? Jackson Kohler couldn't play. They had to, he could not, they took him out. And Carson Cooper gave really, really solid minutes. That's not a good sign for the future.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's t- you have to like separate the immediate from the long term. In the immediate sure. term, this is an impressive win for Michigan State because, like you said, I don't think they played. What well, I actually think, for the most part, they actually played pretty well in this game. They just had a stretch in the second half where the wheels fell off, and it easily could have gotten ugly, and they could have lost this game. I mean, I think when Stephen Crowell scored with about four yeah. minutes left in this game, Wisconsin had like a 77% win probability. And all MSU did was go on a run and I think make like their last eight baskets or something like that. Let me see if I can get this here. Yeah, so they're down 54 to 59 with four minutes left after Crowell makes a jumper. Wisconsin got a 79% win percentage uh, probability rate. Michigan state then outscores them 15 to six in the last four minutes of this game. I think, like I said, they made their last eight buckets. They went 14 to 14 from the free throw line. Yeah. It was great. I don't think I've, I don't think I've like, or is that true? Yeah. I don't think I've like ever heard Star- that.
1: The before. starters were 14 for 14. The team was 16 for 17.
0: I mean, it's pretty tough. That's amazing in, in huge like clutch moments. So, you know, honestly, between that and the way that they closed out Michigan last I know. Know, last weekend, it's some mental fortitude that's. We're just hard parents. We're being hard parents. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, listen, this team's won seven games in a row. They're in second place in Good. the top 10. Gr- yeah. Good. Well, they should. I mean, that's I- the I agree. expectation. Right. And I think that's where you have to separate the immediate from. The longer term and like I, I think one of one the things that stood out in this game that frustrated me to no end and I know we've said it before was what you mentioned with Jackson Kohler. He was not playable against uh, Crowell is a fine player. It wasn't but him, even the, but it wasn't him. It was these one player for her, Wisconsin scored their first points of their career on one of the easiest looking backdowns I've ever seen happen in in this game. Joey Brunk all over uh, again. uh, Oh, my God. Do you remember Joey Brunk last year? Of course I remember (laughs) Joey Brunk. Yeah, I'd rather not. But, yes, he is no different now. Tell me the difference between Thomas Kithier and Jackson Kohler. Seriously, there's no difference in these two players. They don't bring anything special to the floor that neither of them could defend. Neither of them can shoot. I just – I'm not enthused by it. And and that's okay. Like, in a vacuum – having that's a true hardest. freshman having a true freshman that can't really contribute in the front court and you think you know in the future has the skills to develop into a contributor that's okay to have on the roster that's not yeah. okay to have as your main backup big when you don't use all of your scholarships that to me is like borderline malpractice from from Tom Izzo and his staff and again like he'll say what he wants to say where you know, he he wants guys to earn it and he doesn't want to participate in this, that, and the other thing. And that's fine, but then you're placing limits on your team for no good reason. Because in reality, what he should have done is try to go out and find somebody to compete with Maddie Sissoko for the starting role. And then either Maddie earns it, which he very well could have done, or he becomes the backup, which he would be excellently suited for. In either way, you've created depth, you've given yourself something from that five position. But right now you, you don't have anything offensively at least from that position. And if your main guy gets hurt, get not, God forbid he gets hurt, but if he gets in foul trouble, even yeah, you are screwed. Carson Cooper saved the game some I, I have to give him credit. I thought he defended extremely well, had a couple That's of true. really tough foul calls fouls called against him. But like that guy shouldn't be there. He should, he's so miscast, and like that's what's ultimately going to come back to bite this team when they really have to play. You know, if Tyler Wall is playing, I I don't know if this game is being uh, if this game ends the same because he probably would have just run through whichever big was guarding him. So I don't know. There's some. Sti- I, I still have my long term, very sincere reservations about this team but I also look at it today and I'm like those are two really nice wins that they are going to end up really needing at the they end need of this em. season. They need them. They need everyone they can get and a road win at a ranked Wisconsin matter whether who's hurt is a is a nice win to get. 12 and 4, 3 and 1 in the conference. And by the way, the one lost now is Northwestern who's also 3 and 1 in the conference. Right. Doesn't look quite so bad anymore.
1: The, yeah. We're, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth but I think that is absolutely a a, a part of it is because this is such a weird not only you're in the big ten but in the country there, there's yeah if your favorites are Houston Tennessee and Connecticut I'm unmoved like things are it's <laughs> so but you're right about needing these wins because you go look at the resume to date and you can look at the record and say okay Well, they're what 11 and 4 now, or 12 and 4? 11 and 4 12 and and 4. Who's their best win at Penn State? Is Penn State gonna (laughs) make the tournament this year? Can any, can you honestly guarantee that? I can't. And I'm you play the schedule, right? But that Kentucky win, buddy, uh, coach Kell might quit in the middle of the year.
0: That's the best win. It's yeah. not anymore. So it's it, it's, but it isn't it kind of funny, though, like coming into this year, we looked at the schedule and we're like Jesus Christ, like this is this is what are we doing here? Oh, my yeah. God. And then. Turn around and it turns out to be the emperor has no clothes and this well, win like, over Vil- this win over Villanova yeah. looks pretty mid i mean they're they're five literally 500 to be Uh, fair their best player
1: so that's the other thing we played them without their best player played oregon without their best player uh played um wisconsin without their best player i mean they were wins but i mean
0: yeah, but There's, at the end of the day, like I, I, it's just funny because you know I think MSU maybe for once is going to benefit from that in terms of the overall number of me- like wins amassed. You know, like oh sure. And that it feels like every other year we're like, well, the wins are really good, but we only had nineteen of them. You know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I I'm I'm yeah. happy to be on the other side of that equation potentially. And quite honestly, like even you want to talk about losses, like. MSU's losses are to Alabama, who's currently in the top five, Gonzaga, who was, you know, obviously ranked like super highly coming into the season, still in the top 10. Uh, Notre Dame not looking at like a great loss, quite bad, as a matter of fact. But Northwestern, I mean, Northwestern is sitting there, like I said, at three and one in the Big Ten. They're 12 and three overall. They just went on the road and beat a ranked uh, Indiana team this past weekend. I mean,
1: they... can you guarantee Northwestern will make the tournament? No, absolutely not. I could never do that. they made it one time. So they have two of their four losses are against non-tournament teams is kind of my point. Now, they didn't have Malik Hall, and here's where the fun part goes. I'm going to turn it around and get optimistic. With Malik Hall on the lineup, it would appear they have the 13th best overall efficiency in college basketball in those eight games, including the Wisconsin game. So That seems good. That seems very good, right? So, I mean, does that is that the team? I don't know. Because I think if there's another positive is we saw there's a lot of opportunity for Michigan State to get better, and they still won. So, yeah. But they need to start getting better because we do a game preview here. Mm-hmm. Um, nice transition. At Illinois, coming up, a, a program also in a bit of turmoil. Uh, easily a top 25 team uh the only challenger to indiana in the preseason as a favorite and they've just had a very funky season and this past week sky clark transfers one of their freshmen um and he's one of their eight-man rotations so it will likely be cut down here to seven they're gonna have to figure something out so um they're in a bit of turmoil, and their record is not where they want it to be. Um, right now, yeah. 10-5, and you, you look for their best win. They did beat UCLA, and things were sky high, and they got crushed by uh, Missouri and lost at Northwestern. Nice win against Wisconsin, so they're capable, but you know who's going to show up?
0: Yeah. And also like, don't you kind of question like why they yeah. were ranked for so long? I, I don't know. Like because well, who else? I, it's like, who else? Yeah, you no, know? I know. I think that's just the state of the the state of college basketball this year. I mean, they, they are sort of the cautionary tale as it comes to really relying on the transfer portal. Uh, I mean, Terrence Shannon has been a great pickup. He's leading the team with almost 18 points a game. Uh. Is it Mike Meyer? Yeah, Matthew Meyer from Baylor, also, uh, you know, averaging 10 points a game. But it just feels like they have an incomplete roster. And again, I think that's why the transfer portal is honestly harder in basketball than it is in football. Football, it's so much easier to like supplement, you know, like you can get guys that can kind of play a role. They're one of 11 guys on the field at any given time. In basketball, if you whiff or you can't put together, it's just like, is such a smaller margin for error. And that's sort of where Illinois is sitting right now. They don't really have that. And quite honestly, this is a a program that over the last handful of years had two staples, two franchise program-defining players in Ayo DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. And Those guys are gone. I mean, Kofi Coburn was their identity for the last three years. For better or for worse, you had this behemoth in the middle that you could throw the ball into He's probably going to score. And limited in just soon to help too well io was incredible but even when he was gone i mean kofi was yeah. the that he had that gravity to him as a player that's gone and they just haven't really been able to to replace it so i'm sure they're circling this one as like a big opportunity friday it's a friday night game um yeah big big one for for both teams there would be a i mean gosh that'd be a, a really nice win for michigan state yeah. if they could go get it
1: that's tough you know the, the, you want your away games to be on Sleepy Tuesday set six before people yeah. can get, get there from work. Not Friday nights when yeah. the, pe- people have had a few bevs to get worked up. Coleman Hawkins is my guy to watch. He's uh, like, I'm telling you, I'm, I don't know if he's ever going to figure it out. But there are going to be some games where it does click and you're going to be like, that guy's a unicorn. Like he is a 6'10". Dude who if he wants to be a guard, he probably could be, but he's just like so loose with the ball with averages over three turnovers a game. It's just like he's just an enigma. And you just hope that it wasn't his night um when you when you play. Yep. And then that'll be interesting. On to the big one uh over the weekend will be uh or excuse me before we speak next and the sixteenth is home versus Purdue. Uh, easily the best team in the Big Ten thus far through the season. Uh, as we all know, they're running everything through Zach Eady, 22 points a game, <laughs> over 13 rebounds, uh, and, and he's playing 31 minutes now. And that's the big thing is he's he's playing a majority of the game and and he's able to contribute consistently throughout. Throw in uh, Foster Lawyer's little brother and uh, a couple other nice uh, backcourt additions and Brandon Newman and Braden Smith. You get a nice little team, so uh, they're deep. Uh, they they do a lot of things right. It kind of looks like to me a bunch of Indiana Mister Basketballs, like all <laughs> sort of like are any of them going to play in the NBA? Probably not. But are they so- solid all the way up and down? Absolutely. So that'll be a, a tough
0: big one. a big time fumbled bag on the Michigan State's part not locking up Fletcher mm-hmm. Lawyer because. Yeah. He, I think, was probably the long play. I thought he, he was Foster, and you know we talked about it. Um, he's looking pretty good. Yes, I mean Zach. Zach Edie is really the the thing that makes this all go. I mean he and Lawyer are the only two that average double digit points. Like you said, Braden Smith is is not terribly far below that at nine point eight, but um, it's really those two, man. And Eady is having a. <laughs> he's listed at seven four two ninety five. Uh, <laughs> It's a comically large person and he's going to be borderline impossible for michigan state to stop so i won't be surprised at all actually i'd be surprised if we don't see them employ employ the old isaac haas yep. uh strategy which is let ed eat make the other guys beat you and i know that is certainly much easier said than done this year i mean Purdue's sitting here at, at 15 and one um but they've been they've been having some close calls they did lose to Rutgers they they barely beat uh Ohio State last week and um yeah they've had a, a couple close calls of late it took the to, it took you know Nebraska took them to overtime back in December so um Davidson yeah. uh was
1: a eight point game you're right they because they're not great right like they, they're, yeah. they're they're fine um they're the best in the Big 10 But it's nothing to write home about, and yeah, you know Matt Painter is being considered a a coaching candidate at Texas, and okay, that doesn't move me as a Texas go
0: off king, go (laughs) off king. Get paid. I think it's indicative of the state of college basketball that they are a top three team. I think is is fair to say, and quite honestly, I don't expect them to to stay there. Um, I think they've got some really nice teams that are right behind them that ultimately will end up passing them up. But that being said, Zach Edey, hell of a player. And uh, you know, you gotta you gotta stop him if you're gonna stop anything.
1: I think it'll be a wild one. Monday, uh, no classes, one thirty PM game. I think Breslin's gonna be just to the tens. So yeah. turn it's it up to I think it will. Um curious it's a lot to ask MSU to keep the streak going. Another incredible environment, as we talked about, out of Illinois. But um, uh, these wins, every one of them matters. So the Wisconsin game had to have it. The Michigan home game had to have it. Uh, they they did the right thing, got through. And now you hold on. And it's literally going to be game by game because um, I think Michigan State is definitely on the right side of the bubble right now. Yeah. But there's just not like – the the room for error um, normally would have at the 12 and 14 Michigan. It's going to be a
0: very weird bubble this year. So I agree. The more of these wins, they can kind of stack up early. You get to that kind of magic number of, of 20,
1: 20 wins. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what you're looking for. So if you're looking for a a thing to hang your hat on, it is that 20 wins. Think about it this way. They have nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games left to get eight wins if you really want to look at it that way so well, where you can get out of the way early yeah greater your margin for error down the stretch
1: well they can go 19 and 12 and get that 20th in the big 10 tournament too so good point good it's point there for the taking all right one game at a time but all we, we have to look forward because this is it um uh, the basketball sun is is the only one in the room for the you know for the foreseeable future unless some big things happen uh in the recruiting trail but um strap in these are the cold dark nights and we got to grind through the big 10 season <laughs>
0: can't wait john can't wait <laughs> nights like tonight though make it a little bit more exciting so that's true um all right guys as always thanks for sticking with us for john this has been awesome and we'll catch you next time yeah.